Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Now let's join Pastor Russell for today's message. Turn with me to Acts chapter 6 as we're going to continue our study through the book of Acts. And if you're reading along with us, you'll notice that we skipped a large chunk, a large chunk of Scripture uh, in chapter 5. So very briefly, uh, after Ananias and Sapphira, we see that the disciples continued to preach in the name of Jesus, and they were once again arrested. And so they stood before the Sanhedrin. Uh, this time they were beaten and then threatened again and sent on their way. Uh, the end of Acts chapter 5 states that the disciples continue to meet together in the temple, preaching the word of God, and the church continued to grow. But in chapter 6, we're going to see that in the first couple of verses, a problem arises. So let's go ahead and dive into chapter 6. And uh, if you're following along, I'm reading out of the message version of the Bible tonight, and you can follow that along uh, on the screen. During this time, as the disciples were increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds, hard feelings developed among the Greek-speaking believers, called the Hellenists, toward the Hebrew-speaking believers because their widows were being discriminated against in the daily food lines. So the twelve called a meeting of the disciples. They said, It wouldn't be right for us to abandon our responsibilities for preaching and teaching the Word of God to help with care of the poor. Now, let's just stop right there. So here we see that the church in Jerusalem continues to grow at a very rapid pace. I mean, it is growing by leaps and bounds. And so uh, I just imagine that all kinds of ministries are popping up within the church, that they've got a, a, a youth ministry that's going, that they've got a, a women's ministry, they've got a ministry for the kids and probably a men's ministry. But one of the more prominent and important uh, ministries was that to the widows. And within that ministry, we see that some problems began to arise in the administration of food to the widows. Now, the scripture calls it, uh, I think in the ESV it says complaints, uh, in, the, in the message it says problems, but in the Greek it really means to murmur. Now, I know that none of you good people here at Huddo Community Church would ever murmur about anything, so let me explain what murmuring means to you. It, it simply means to speak in a low tone, kind of like, well, you don't know about Joe over there. He's just kind of, well, you know. And, and so you're starting some gossip but you're really leaving it up to imagination. So, but you're not really gossiping, but you're implying that something is wrong over here. And so you know how that goes. Word begins to get around that, oh, something's wrong with Joe. Wonder what's going on. It's probably his marriage that's falling apart. Maybe he's uh, going to file for bankruptcy. I don't know what the issue is. And so all of these murmurings begin to happen. And that's what happened in the book of Acts. And, and when this happens right, in the church today. This is when feelings get hurt. This is when people get offended. And when things don't go your way, you begin just to murmur about it, and it creates disunity in the body of Christ. But the bottom line is it comes down to this. 
there are somewhere along the way some expectations that were not met, right? Isn't that the root of most of our uh, problems in, in relationships? Like we expect someone to do something for us. In, in a ministry, we expect people to be there for us, whatever that means. We expect the pastor to do and act uh, in a certain way. And when those expectations aren't met, that's when murmuring can happen. Now, shift gears a little bit so we understand what happens with the widows, okay? So that's really the main issue here. Now, culturally, it's much different than today. Today, uh, widows, uh, they have insurance, there's Medicaid, there's Medicare, uh, there's retirement accounts to be able to provide for them. Oftentimes, families come to the rescue. In that day and time, husbands were the breadwinners. Women um, worked in the home, didn't necessarily go out and make a wage, and, and frankly, were seen probably closer to property than actual people. And so when a husband would die and leave a woman by herself, if there was not family uh, to care for her, the, the, the people around her, the community would come alongside them and help them with their needs. And so what it's referring to uh, in the Jewish culture here is, is one of two different things. There were two ways in which the Jewish community cared for widows. One was in a weekly distribution of money. And so that money would be given to widows. It'd be enough for 14 meals, so basically two meals a day to be able to care for them. And the other was uh, more of a daily thing. And in some different notes that I read, it was really more for non-residents and transients. But I think when we, we look at the scripture, there's probably some kind of combination here that the Christians were participating in because it says uh, it was the daily distribution of food. And so within this system, there was a definite flaw where the uh, Hebraic Jews, their widows, were getting all of the attention, and the Greek-speaking widows were not getting their needs met. So there could have been various reasons for the problems. Uh, first and foremost, there was a language barrier here, right? You've got one group that's speaking Aramaic, that's your people who live in Jerusalem and are native to Jerusalem. Then you've got those who are speaking Greek, and they are probably, uh, they are probably those who moved and were uh, dispersed uh, hundreds of years before and now have come back to Jerusalem, but they grew up in the Greek culture, and so that was the language they spoke. So, um, I mean, we have a hard enough time communicating in English then you throw in a language barrier, even a dialectical barrier, because if I say, gee, yet, half of you don't know what I just said. And the other half of you are like, oh yeah, sure did. And so if we have that kind of problem, then can you just imagine what happens in that day in time? And so there's a language barrier. Uh, secondly, there was probably a little bit of discrimination between uh, the native Jews and the Greek Jews, right? It, it's probably similar to uh, Republicans or, or Democrats, or maybe those of you who are native Texans and those of you who are not native Texans. You kind of know the language, you kind of know the culture, and if you're not from around here, well, you're just a little bit different. And it's not outright racism, but it's just, ah, we got some differences and we'll do our thing and you do the, your thing. Because the Greeks would worship in their own synagogues and they would not go to the temple to necessarily worship. Or it just could have been an absolute honest mistake right? So here's the deal. The church is growing by leaps and bounds. Um, 
People are getting saved daily. The Holy Spirit is moving powerfully and doing great things. And all of a sudden, there is this great problem that interrupts progress. As we talked about last week, if Satan cannot use outside influences to derail the church, then he will come inside the church and start working in our hearts and lives so that there will be disunity among the body of Christ, whether it's a little murmuring within the church, whether it's a language barrier, whether it's cultural differences, or whatever it might be, Satan is going to do anything he can to grab your attention and create disunity within the body of Christ. Now, as I look at this situation, personally, I think it was an honest oversight. Now, that's, that's Russell's opinion. Because I believe that uh, the Holy Spirit moved in such a powerful way the day of Pentecost that he broke down most of those barriers that would have been uh, racial or would have been um, dialectical differences and really unified people to the point that the believers there knew that Christ had come not just for Jews, but for the whole world, right? So I think it was an honest mistake, a simple oversight. And that's what most of the problems in our churches today are. They are simple oversights. That there are times when someone just gets left out of something and it was not intentional. It was not on purpose. And especially in our church, nobody is trying to derail someone or leave them out or make them feel like they're not a part. They're honest mistakes. And so we see that they um, we're going to see that there was a lot of grace. And so Scripture doesn't focus a ton on these problems. It really goes right to the heart of the issue. And so the disciples come together. They call a meeting of the greater body of Christ, and they say there's a problem that we need to fix that has come to our attention, and we're going to fix it. But quite honestly, we have a problem too, because we would like to go and fix this but we cannot because we must preach the word of God and teach the people daily. Now, if I shoot straight with you, when I read that in scripture, my brain reads in, we're a little bit too busy to go and serve tables for for you guys. So y'all run along and figure out how to do it. But if you look at scripture... What is actually being communicated here is that it would be displeasing to the Lord for us to leave our ministry of teaching and prayer to go and serve tables. Like this is specifically what God has called us to do. We understand there's a problem. We want to help and do everything we can for it. But we would be disobedient to God if we did something else right now. And so they have a very uh, a clear a perspective of what their calling is in the church. And so that leads them to lay out some qualifications. So let's go back to the scripture and look at verses three and four. So friends, this is the disciples still talking, choose seven men from among you whom everyone trusts, men full of the Holy Spirit and good sense, and we will assign them this task. Meanwhile, we'll stick to our assigned tasks of prayer and speaking God's word. So one of the things that I just love about what the apostles said is they they address the problem head on, and frankly, it's just great leadership, 
right? They say, okay, we've got an issue. Let's get to the heart of it. Let's solve it. Let's put these guys in charge of it. Go, be blessed. We trust you. Do the will of God. I mean, it's, it's great leadership. And they just really say, hey, if you'll just follow these three simple things, if you'll find men that you trust, everybody in the community trust them. They're full of the Holy Spirit and they just have some good sense. Go appoint those men to this ministry. This is a problem that needs to be taken care of and taken care of quickly because you'll remember if widows didn't get food in that day and time, they're simply left to die. So everybody loves uh, the way that this is handled. And I love that they were so uh, to the point with it, right? They addressed the problem head on. And that's a great lesson for us because me personally, I want to ignore problems, especially when they have to do with relationships. Like I want to say, yeah, yeah, that's going to work itself out. We'll just give it time. It's no big deal. And some of you are probably like that. And and then other people are like, well, it's that person's fault. And if, if they can't come to me and apologize to me, and if they can't figure out that they got issues over there, then I'm not going to have any part of it. And, and then others of us say, well, I guess we got another problem, so I'll just, I'll take on this problem, throw it on my back, and I'll just keep trudging along, doing my work for the Lord. And we have this self-pity about addressing problems. But what the disciples did, they took it on head on. They said, this is an issue. Let's get to the heart of it. Let's figure it out so that people are taken care of and the word of God can continue to spread. And frankly, that's how we've got to address issues within the church body, to attack them head on, be open and honest about it, assign some people to take care of it, and get it done. I got way ahead of my notes there, so I apologize. And and so one of the things that I think we see here is that ministry is really everyone's responsibility. But different ministry tasks are going to require different ministry qualifications. And I think we see that here as they lay out those three uh, qualifications. And I want to talk about those just very briefly. Number one, they said, go find men who we can trust. Right? Like, like within the church body, um, you got to be a trustworthy person. you got to be a person of character to be able to step up to the plate, knowing that you're going to be on time, that you're going to be there, that that we know you're going to do the right thing even when others aren't looking. Then they say, and this is a big one, you got to be full of the Holy Spirit. You can't just have good character outside of the church, but you've got to have a vibrant relationship with the Lord and be full of the Spirit, uh, really meaning to be controlled by the Spirit in your marriage, in your workplace, uh, when you get angry and road rage roars up within you as you're driving down 79 or I-35, that in all aspects of life, you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. And then the third thing they say, put guys who are wise in charge of this stuff. Like, we don't need someone who's good at uh, casting a big vision to do uh, a detailed task. We don't need someone who's called to to work with children and babies to go and be able to figure out how we're going to get enough food to be able to feed these. We need guys who are skilled in this area to take on the ministry that is there. And and so this pleases everybody. Uh, They agree, hey, we like this plan. And then we see thirdly that servants are chosen. Verse 5, the congregation thought this was a great idea. They went ahead and chose Stephen a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, now I'm going to get some of these names wrong, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, a convert of Antioch. They presented them to the apostles, 
and praying, the apostles laid hands and commission. I'm sorry, the apostles laid hands, laid on hands and commissioned them for their task. So, just a couple of brief observations here. Uh, first of all, the early church took very seriously not only spiritual needs, but material needs as well. And let me just briefly remind you of how serious this need was, because it was life or death. I mean, if these shut-in widows are, are not given food on a daily basis, it becomes a real problem real fast. Secondly, they were able to adjust their organizational needs to the ministry that had to be done. Now, I'm not in favor of changing church leadership every six months because of a new book that comes out. What I am in favor of is let's be um, a church that's willing to be flexible, uh, that we're going to be able to bend, we're do some give and take in order that we can minister to one another and minister to our community in an effective way. And then thirdly, they were just full of grace all along the way. Right? I mean, they could have got up in arms and said, well, you Greek-speaking guys, if y'all just take care of your own business, you wouldn't have had a problem. Or, or the Greeks could have got mad and said, you guys are supposed to be the apostles, the ones whom tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit came and landed on you, and you can't even take care of our widows. And they could have fought and it could have divided the church, but they were all full of grace. They found a plan that worked for everyone. And that means, number four, that the church grows. And look at verse seven. The word of God prospered. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased dramatically. And not least, a great many priests submitted themselves to the faith. So at this point in time, Christianity is no longer just a minor sect over in the corner. In fact, in this time, uh, Best I could find out, there were probably about 60,000 people living in Jerusalem at this time. You'll remember back in Acts chapter 4 at the very beginning, uh, Luke tells us that there were about 5,000 believing men. Now some time has gone on, some weeks, some months have passed. Uh, the gospel has continued to go out and has continued to spread through the ranks and so scholars estimate that upwards of 20,000 people in Jerusalem were believing the word of God. This is absolutely incredible and a testament to not only the grace uh, that was on those early believers, uh, but also their unity and the power of the Spirit that moved in that time. And I really, I think it's amazing that Luke throws in there that, that a, a number of priests came to faith. Uh, if you'll recall, there were hundreds of priests that would minister in the temple. And, and for them, under the pressure of the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, to be able to, on their own, make the decision to follow Christ is really incredible. And so as we kind of wrap things up here tonight, I, I want to share with you just a few application things. And I'll warn you, that these kind of go in pairs uh, except for the last one, which I think stands on its own. So uh, first of all, when you see a problem in the church, don't be afraid to bring it up. Like, we're not perfect people. Uh, we're not a body of perfect people. Joey and I aren't perfect people. We have all kinds of flaws and know that there are areas in which the church could be run better. And so if you see those, now don't be belligerent, please. Don't come up to me right after the message and say, Pastor, I got three things for you. Like, I don't want to hear that. 
But if you want to approach and say, hey, pastor, can we go to coffee? You know, I've noticed these things that are going on within the church that maybe we should address. Let's have that conversation because when the church comes together, when we are unified and everyone has their place in ministry, that's when the gospel begins to grow. Secondly, no, uh, I'm sorry, be willing to help with the situation. So you'll see the flip side of this. If there's something that needs to be addressed, be willing to help. Like, don't just be uh, someone who brings up a problem and says, Pastor, you got to deal with this. Like, that's not okay. It doesn't mean you're the one who has to do it. Like, you might notice something that happens uh, in the kids' ministry that needs to be addressed. But you can be one that says, hey, you know what? I have some ideas about this. I've thought through this. Or, Or, you know, I've thought of a couple of people who might be good to talk to about this. Be willing to be part of the solution. It's what we see in the book of Acts. You know, they brought a problem up. They, they had a meeting together, said, let's solve this. We got to figure it out. Number three, know how God has gifted you and what he has called you to. Uh, we see this with the apostles, right? They say, hey, there's definitely a need here and we need to address it. But our calling is the ministry of the word and prayer and we can't go and do that right now. So know, know what God has called you to. And if you're not sure what that looks like or what that means for you or how you can be a, a part of the body of Christ, that's another one. Say, hey, pastor, um, maybe let's have lunch this week. Let's have dinner and talk more about how I can be a part of the, the body of Christ and how I can give of my gifts and services. And, and maybe you have some gifts that aren't being utilized at this point and, and you just want to raise your hand. And you want to say, man, I want to use my giftedness for the kingdom of God. Know how God has gifted you, what he's called you to. At the same time, number four, be open to new ways of serving. So I was thinking about this this week. I cannot imagine that those seven men uh, that, that they picked to solve this issue woke up and said one day, you know, my life's dream is to be the person who goes out and and takes care of all of the food for the Greek-speaking widows, right? Like, I, I know, listen, there's people who are called to food ministry, and we have some wonderful people who work at the Hutto Resource Center that do that in our community. But really, we're talking about the church, right? Like, well, I want to I go out, and I want to be uh, an evangelist, and I want to win thousands to, to, to Christ, or I want to be someone who writes music that, that people get to sing all over the world. I mean, we have pictures of grandeur in the church sometimes, but occasionally we've got to go and do things that maybe we don't necessarily want to. And, and I wonder if those guys, they probably didn't wake up dreaming about serving the widows, but you know what they said? They said, yes, we will do that. This might be out of our comfort zone. It might not be what we thought we would do. But if it means that the church stays unified, the gospel goes forward, then we'll do that. We'll say yes to serving the body of Christ. And then number five, and personally, I think this one is most important. In church leadership, character and your personal relationship with the Lord is more important than skill. You know, they could have really selected anybody. They could have said, hey, just find some guys who can do this. Like, like take care of this. Like, we don't mean to be rude, but we're busy. We have things going on. Ministry is exploding. A third of Jerusalem uh, now knows Christ. Can't you see we're busy? 
But they took concerted time and effort and said, listen, guys, even what we might consider to be the least important thing as far as spiritual things go, we're talking about serving people, serving tables, being a waiter. This is important work because it's gospel work. And so find men of character. Find men that you can trust. Find men who are going to be on time, who are going to show up, who are going to do the hard work of ministry. Find men who are full of the Spirit of God, who have a daily devotional and daily walk with Him, who are passionate about knowing the Lord deeply. And find men that are also skilled in what they're doing. Like, we don't need anybody off the street. We don't need just anyone. We need men who are going to be spiritual, who are going to be dependable, and who are going to show up and take care of this important issue within our church. And I just believe that in that very moment, they raised the bar on what it means to be a servant in the church of God. That that just because you've got a great character on on the outside doesn't mean that that means you're qualified, because you've got to have a relationship with the Lord. But just because you have a deep walk with the Lord doesn't mean that you're qualified to stand up and to maybe teach the Word of God or stand at the door and greet and welcome people or or go door to door and and minister to others, whatever the case might be. There's really a, a, a holistic level of maturity that the apostles raise the bar to and say, hey, there's a standard here. And so church, I just want to encourage you, like, let's be holistically mature in our walk. Let's know the Lord. Let's have relationship with Him. Let's be men and women who are trustworthy, who do what we're going to say, and who are skilled in the things that we do. And finally, I just want to close with this, with one question for you tonight. How do you personally contribute to the life of the body of Christ? What is your ministry? Where is it that you're plugged in? Where is it that you're giving? And I understand that to some degree, we're all here to be served. We want to be able to worship the Lord. We want to be able to hear the word of God spoken. Sometimes we need someone to sit and cry with us. We need someone to help meet our uh, material needs like the widows. They needed someone to help them along the way. But at the same time, God wants to use every single one of us to give in to the body of Christ, to pour in, to serve the body of Christ so that we can all grow. And most importantly, God is glorified and the gospel goes forth. So church, how are you pouring in to the life of the body of Christ? Let's pray. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.